Hello, everyone. Inside today's Locked On Canadians, our biggest rivals finally did the bare minimum. We'll talk about that. And we have so much more in terms of player reviews. Joel Edmondson, Christian Dvorak, inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 834 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Canadians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, available wherever you get your daily podcast, or if you are watching on YouTube, of course. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. I am currently in a state of disbelief and shock. And I assume my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba, is on the same boat that I am. Laura, before we launch into more player reviews, uh, are you as stunned as I am about Saturday night in Toronto? Well, they were in Tampa, but in that series. Why? What happened? They didn't blow it, surprisingly, <laughs> which... It, Tampa blew it. I'm Tampa blew it, but never... <sighs> Tampa blew it at, on the day that it was 4-1 and they allowed the Leafs to come back because it was ripe for another, I can't say the word, but mind mess um, on the Toronto side. Honestly, I, I can't even be happy for Leafs fans because this is kind of, you know, like it would be disingenuous for me to say, Oh, I'm so happy for you Leafs fans because you've been suffering for 19 years or whatever. There's maybe like four Leafs fans that are my friends that I'm like marginally not dissatisfied for, but otherwise, honestly, like I am shocked. I'm just, I'm shocked that it didn't go the way that it always goes because those teams that, you know, whether they fell to the Bruins or the Washington Capitals or the Montreal Canadians or whatever, those teams weren't untalented. Those teams didn't like, it's not like they were lacking skilled players. They would have, often fatal flaws, but we've seen many teams with fatal flaws make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final, right? So I think that I'm I'm shocked and surprised that it didn't go the way it normally goes. I'm also, you know, quite, I don't know if I was expecting better from Tampa or not, to be honest. Like, they let us down all the time. They're a team that, like, as Canadians fans, we have now grown to hate. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not happy for Leafs fans. I can't be happy for Leafs fans, and I hope they're all listening to this episode to see how salty I am because I am salty. Enjoy it, that like second round loss. And here's the thing about it is Tampa missing Eric Cernak because he was, you know, injured deliberately by Michael Bunting and just missing some of that depth they had before where David Savard's a third pairing defenseman, Ryan McDonough's eating second pairing minutes and they had that depth has slowly gone away as their cup window gets smaller and smaller. Team was beat up and uh, I was looking from Michael Blake McCurdy put out the basically the post-mortem on the series. Neither team produced anything at even strength in the series. It was a lot more defensive and everything came four on four power play, etc. And Toronto just has the weapons for that. And I'm not going to sit here and act like winning a series isn't important to them because it is. And I understand that like you're suffering and whatnot. 
This should not be the bar for Toronto, though, for a team that is, by all models and all accounts, supposed to be a cup favorite team. They beat Tampa, yes, and they kind of beat Tampa at their own game. They were opportunistic and took advantages when they were given to them. That is great. I don't know what the next one, because we don't know the outcome of the Bruins-Panthers series yet, which... If it's the Bruins, uh, that entire series is going to be absolutely bonkers. And if you thought Twitter was annoying during this, it's going to be even worse during that. I don't want to knock people for celebrating this because there are Leaf fans that probably have never seen their team win or remember their team winning a playoff series. Understandable. There are Habs fans that have never seen their team play in a Stanley Cup final. I was one of them. Like The bar should be higher for that. And that's not just related to this. We've talked about it before with other people on other shows. Toronto, one of the oldest franchises in the NHL. And like when they do the all-time teams, you have like two people from the 90s, Matthews and Marner's era, and then a bunch of guys from like the World War II era. The bar should be higher for a team like this. I am incredibly curious that if they get the Bruins in the next round, which it'd be funnier if they didn't, but... If they get the Bruins in the next round, are there more demons for them to exercise in these playoffs? I wouldn't be shocked if there is, but uh, I, I'm not 100% sold on this not being a they won a round and then they go out the next one kind of series. Here's my question. Is it funnier if they lose to the Florida Panthers or to the Boston Bruins yet again? What's the funnier outcome? I mean, the Bruins winning is gross and disgusting and I hate it. But it's also like written in the stars that the Bruins are there to continually torture the Maple Leafs. I, I, I think losing to the Panthers is funnier just because a lot of the old timey hockey men be like, we can't lose to a team that can't sell out its arena and plays in Florida and blah blah. Matthew Kachuk in the playoffs against the Leafs is going to be just would be so 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 entertaining. There's no wrong answer, and it's not going to be easy. In I look at the Bruins and go, this is a team I think better equipped to deal with Toronto because they have a core that has, quite frankly, tortured Toronto for a decade at this point. Marchand, Bergeron, Krejci, now Pasternak, and all these other players there. I, It's just wild that it actually happened. when, And this series could have been over in five games going the other way. Had Tampa you know, not choked on their leads or in overtimes and everything, I, it's weird is that normally we'd be making jokes, everything right now. And for the Beaverton who says hockey lost their only joke, 1967 still exists. And it is one round of the playoffs. It's, there is a lot more that we can still make fun of the Leafs for. Um, not right now, however, because this is a Montreal Canadiens podcast, which we had to make it about the Leafs because one hits are fun. And two, they won a round. How could we not talk about the actual like biggest story in hockey right now? It's historic. Yeah, I guess the Oilers won, but no one really cares about that because they have the best player in the world and should be infinitely better. Than- Speaking of the bar should be higher, at least Oilers fans have like goals of wanting to win the Stanley Cup. Toronto fans are celebrating as though getting out of the first round is the coronation of everything they've ever wanted in their lives. But I'm not going to tell people how to celebrate things like that because... Well, my team's missed the playoff two years in a row and is bad. So uh, any parting thoughts before we move on, Laura? 
No, honestly, like that's the thing. This is this is an exciting time in hockey. I'm more excited to see the second round now, just to see how it plays out because we haven't seen this in a very very long time. Um, and I think you know, like it, it's fun if you're if you're a Leafs fan. Like, could this be the you know you slay your first round demon and then you slay your Boston demon? Like, this could be the makings of a magical run, or they could fall completely flat on their faces. And I don't know which is a better story for hockey because if they fall completely flat on their faces. There's going to be like personnel changes. There's going to be trades. There's going to be maybe like Kyle Dubas has to like find another job. Like it's so many different things because they keep talking about the bar like shouldn't be, you know, the first round. They want to they want to win a cup and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just curious now to see what's next. But at the same time, like we are Canadians fans. So, Scott, I'll turn it back to you because um, we do have to talk about our own team, miserable as it is. Yes, uh, we are in player review season and coming up next, uh, I'm going to flop this a little bit from what I've written in my notes here because I am editing the show and I can do that. We're going to talk about Christian Dvorak for a little bit here and that's all coming up in our next segment. But first, our sponsor of the show today is a product that I use every morning to help get my day started right and that is Athletic Greens. And with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right, boost your gut health, helps your nervous system, your immune system, and gives you energy, helps you focus on recovery, fighting aging, and all of these things. Just one scoop and a glass of water first thing in the morning. It's lifestyle friendly, so if you are vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, Athletic Greens can be there for you, and it's a small micro habit with big benefits. It's the one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. And this subscription comes with a year supply of vitamin D. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. So right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop, cup of water every morning. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-sporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. We are in the midst of player review season here. And originally, we were going to talk about a defenseman here in this segment, but I think expanding that into the third one, we have a little bit more time to discuss them is the right play. I want to talk about Christian Dvorak, someone who I think in the last two years was brought in to paper over an issue created by the previous regime and was never really given a role on the Canadians. It's that we don't know if Christian Dvorak is a defensive center. Is Christian Dvorak a, you know, offensive minded center who is he meant to be replacing in the Montreal Canadiens lineup? Because he got here after they lost Philip Deneau over $500,000 and let Jesperi Kotkaniemi walk after he was offer sheeted. And in the two seasons, Tavorek has not been able to play a full one in last year, got elbowed in the back of the head by Jared Spurgeon, went uncalled, missed a good chunk of the season, finished with 33 points in 56 games. Not terrible for a bad Canadiens team. This year, 28 points in 64 games. And again, not a good team. 
I I do not know what Christian Dvorak is supposed to be on this team. I look at his junior numbers, 109 points, 121 points. Okay numbers with bad Coyotes teams, but he feels like just out of place with this Canadians team right now. I would absolutely agree with you. And I think the most telling thing is that every time we talk about what the Canadians are going to look like next year or two years from now, he's not one of the centers that gets mentioned. We don't talk about him being on this team. We talk about Owen Beck making it. We talk about who they're going to draft this season. We talk about Nick Suzuki. We talk about Kirby Doc. We even talk about Jake Evans, who, while an extremely competent, you know, third or fourth liner, like I like to call him a high quality bottom six player is replaceable by another high quality bottom six player. And that's the thing. Like that's, that's what I find most telling. Like I think Christian Dvorak is the kind of player that if the team itself was well suited to him, like he could be amazing. He's a great two way with the right line mates in the right situations. And I think the Canadians just simply do not have that. Like whether it's like philosophically or whether it's like with the personnel that's on the ice, it just doesn't work. And I feel bad because it seems like, you know, like he has all the makings of a player who could be incredibly useful. Like you look at that and you're like, this guy could be an incredibly useful depth piece. But where does he fit on the Montreal Canadiens? Not really anywhere. And that I think is what's going to uh, determine the grade, like the, the player review that we have for him this season. Obviously, everybody was injured and like the team was bad, all of that. Like we have, we have, we have to say that every review, like there's mitigating factors for everything. But I just think that like, you know, if with the right fit, like Christian Dvorak could be an extremely good defensive yeah. center. And that's the thing the about right it fit. is it's like, I don't know what his role is meant to be on. Cause admittedly he was, you know, playing more defensive minutes for Arizona, which okay, probably fair. They had younger guys coming in or they had other pieces I just, he got brought in by Mark Bergevin and the minute Deneau was walking out the door or was rumored to be going out the door, all we heard was Dvorak's name. And it's like, okay, that makes fans think he is here to be our Philip Deneau replacement. He is going to take top line minutes. He's going to eat them up defensively and do really well at that. Dvorak's a good face-off guy. I'm, you know, great. We've got to expect more from that. And I think for Dvorak, I think he got here and admittedly best friends with Caulfield, which two Americans on the team. Great. Love that. But if there's a line of spot and God forbid all the Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff comes to pass here, what do you do with Christian Dvorak at that point? Like you're going to have a down the middle of Suzuki, Doc and Dubois in some way, shape or form. You can't pay four and a half million dollars to have Christian Dvorak be your fourth line center. That's bonkers. I think he's someone that is very likely to be traded to a team that needs a middle six center. And yeah, the Habs need a middle six center too, but I don't think Dvorak's the fit here for the Habs right now. I I would like to see him on a team that is maybe built better than this, which any team or is built to take advantage of his talents because I could not tell you off the top of my head where his strengths are watching him offensively, watching him defensively. 
usually you can pick things out. Like we know Kirby Doc is a very good facilitator. We know Nick Suzuki is creative. We know Cole Caulfield can shoot. I cannot tell you a remarkable thing that is about Christian Dvorak's game. And that kind of makes it small bit of a problem there, but may, I don't want to feel like I'm being too harsh on him, but the goal scoring hasn't been there because in Arizona, he had 15, 15, 18, 17 goals. He's had 11 and 10 in Montreal. I get that he's not an offensive juggernaut, but you got to expect more than that. It's also unlucky, really, because we haven't seen the Canadians be good enough to compete against good teams, because then you'd be able to kind of test and gauge his shutdown ability, you know, something that Deno was amazing at, something that Placanitz was amazing at. Like, I get that that was who he was trying to, he was supposed to replace. He was brought in to replace a shutdown guy, like somebody who could, you know, like stifle the, the opponents while also playing center, right? And he hasn't had the opportunity to do that. The Canadians haven't been good enough to compete with any good teams. The Canadians haven't made the playoffs. So like, there's like a lack of context here that really isn't his fault. And I think that given the right team, he would probably be able to display the tools that he truly and has. Speaking of players that we think are going to be moved in the relative near future here uh, on our Twitter account, please tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, your grade for Christian Dvorak season, or if you think he's going to be traded sound off in the comments, we always love diving into that to see other people's opinions. But like I said, we have one more player review in this episode. We're talking about players who are potentially going to be traded and that is Joel Edmondson, the ever-popular, ever-debated Joel Edmondson. And that's coming up in our next segment. We are back here in the final section of Locked on Canadians. We will have more player reviews this week. We haven't quite decided who we're going to review next, but we will put those polls out on our Twitter account at LO underscore Canadians. Laura and I will retweet those throughout the day so you can have your say voting on player seasons here. Now comes the interesting one. Joel Edmondson. It's, uh, I, 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 what do you say about Joel Edmondson? Like he was a key part of that defense that won a Stanley cup in St. Louis, mind you came to Montreal and helped push that team into a Stanley cup final in his first season here. Not a big points guy. His career high is 20 points, and he had that in Carolina, which, you know, his career high in all leagues, junior and above, is 23. Joel Edmondson, not a guy noted for his offense. Usually kind of somewhat noted defensively, but he was a minus 29 this year, which we do not judge solely by plus minus. The Habs were not a good team. But this year was a lot of, we saw brief moments of Joel Edmondson looking like that defensive stalwart that we knew and Joel Edmondson looking like a guy who has never played defense a day in his life. And I'm wondering, is it aging? Is it likely the lingering back issue that's bothering him? It's got to be frustrating because we know Joel Edmondson is better than what he showed this year. The question is, how much better do we think he can be really? And is now the time that if teams allegedly were calling at the deadline, they're going to be calling this off season two with one year on his deal is now the time to go done and move on to um, 
and just, you know, trade him and get what you can for him in terms of assets. So at some point in this season, after he had come back, you made an extremely astute point that stayed with me over the course of the season as I watched him play. It was one game, and after that game, you said he didn't seem to know where he was. And that's a little dramatic. Like, it's not like he was, like, completely out of his mind or whatever, but, like, the point that you were making was that he was behind the play, essentially. Like, he wasn't reacting in an appropriate way to the play that was taking place. And I found that that was it. Like, his hockey sense seemed to be diminished. And again, like, it could be due to lingering pain, it could be due to the Canadians just being massively terrible. It could be due to the fact that the defense as a whole didn't have an identity. Like when he first came over uh, to Montreal, we were just kind of like, why is Mark Bergevin spending money on this guy? Like there's so many other things that you could be spending cap space on. And he was like a good surprise. We were pleasantly surprised with how good he was defensively. And I think that that like that's the Joel Edmondson at peak. But if you're injured, if you've got, and again, like there, there are like so many in and outs, like there's back issues, like, you know, shoulders, whatever it was, like stuff that they didn't even tell us sometimes, like he was just injured a lot. And that doesn't allow you the ability to play to the best of your, your potential. Right. And I think that that to me has constantly stayed with me because I watched him night in and night out. And that awareness wasn't there. Like it was just like either you would see like the reaction time would be too slow. You would see a boneheaded mistake. You would see that he just wasn't all there hockey sense wise. And I think that hurt him a lot. And it just, it sucks. Cause like, I think everybody thinks that he's, a, he's a likable guy. Like I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that the team loves him. He was one of the people that was, you know, talked about as a leader on this team. People were like, Oh, maybe he should be the captain, you know? And, and I understand why. And I think, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's disappointing. Not, we're not disappointed in him. We're disappointed for him. And I think that's very, very important because I don't want to knock like his effort because it's not like he was lazy at all. I think he just couldn't get it together. Like that's the problem is that I'm sure he wanted to, I'm sure he tried. He just wasn't able to get it together to be the guy that was shutting down the offense like of the opponents like it just you know, like that's because like his, his role was never to be like starting the rush his role was never to be like generating his role was to get between the puck and the goalie right like that was it and he was so good at that and then now his like reaction time is slower he's physically slower and it's just like it sucks because like physical deterioration kind of prevents you from from being able to, you know, 100% perform to the best of your ability. And I'm sure that the hockey sense disappearing was just simply because he wasn't able to learn how to play with his new slower speed or his new considerations that he had to make in order to avoid aggravating And that's the thing injury. is like a back injury is not like, oh, you know, I, I busted my knee here. I can back injuries take time and never fully go away in that it takes time. And if it flares up, it makes playing absolutely hell. Like I've had back injuries that just from doing work and doing little things will flare up and it's like, it's painful. And for someone like Edmondson, he's probably, he's clearly been playing through something. And the biggest thing is from his first season and his second season to now, he doesn't have Jeff Petrie anymore. And yeah, Petrie's last season was not great in Montreal, but Petrie's skill set complimented what Edmondson's is Edmondson has to handle the puck a lot more often with this current one because 
younger players are going to defer to the veteran on the ice there until they get that confidence there. Is that Caden Gooley and David Savard? Gooley's starting to take that and go with it. Arbor Jack guy's still learning a little bit. He played a lot with Edmondson. Jordan Harris played in and out. Jonathan Kovacevic. And Kovacevic is not a guy who wants to carry the puck. Not really his game in terms of that. It's a tougher situation. And I'm not saying that Matheson should be, I don't want to say chained to Edmondson, but when I think of a Petrie-like clone, do you give Matheson Edmondson a shot there to try and figure that out? Let Matheson be the aggressive guy there and let Edmondson be the the last line of defense, so to speak. Matheson can be that guy who can carry the puck up, and we know he can get back into the play there. I'm curious if that's what they try next year, or if they go like Gooley Edmondson or a Harris Edmondson, someone like Struble who can skate as well. There's not not options for this section here. I'm hoping that if Edmondson returns, and as of right now, trade chatter's quiet because the teams that want to trade for him, allegedly Tampa, just got eliminated in the playoffs. Uh, I think if Edmondson's going, he'll be gone by the draft uh, or at the draft, I should say, just because it's an opportunity for Kent Hughes to collect more picks, more prospects, everything along those lines and make something happen on the draft floor. Maybe a team like Winnipeg, who seems intent on keeping that core together, even though they've won nothing. Uh, and Rick Bonus, who loves that style of hockey, might go for something like that. There's options out there. It's It was a tougher season for Joel Edmondson and everyone else. And I think it showed on his face that he's frustrated with the way the season went because he's won a cup. He got to another cup final two years after that. Man wants to win games, and I don't blame him for that. It'll be interesting to see what this upcoming season holds for him. But for right now, we need you all to sign sound off on Joel Edmondson's season grade. Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians in the YouTube comments. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your daily podcast. Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before we sign off for the day? No. Uh, check out our last episode, which was a draft mailbag with Sebastian High. Um, and stay tuned because we've got more player reviews, but also more gra- graft content. <laughs> more draft content coming up. Because I don't know why I said draft content coming up. We're, we're gonna we do not have any grift content coming. you might up. not i there's i don't have any grift content <laughs> coming up i'm not i'm not that soulless of a person as always you can follow us on twitter l l at lo underscore canadians locked on canadians at gmail.com if you have any longer form questions for things follow laura at the active stick follow myself at scott matla and folks we will see you all next time